Thank you for tuning in to Highly Functional under the umbrella of Hardwater One. This is Dr. Brianne Shelman-Brown, the Functional Athletic Specialist. I am joined today with Dave Durante. He is a multi-time USA Gymnastics National Champion and was part of the 2008 Beijing Olympic team as an alternate. Uh, after retiring from competition, he helped coach his alma mater, Stanford University, to an NCAA team title in 2009 and has continued to be part of the sport through his passion on the Athlete Advisory Committee from the United States Olympic Committee, uh, as well as his position on the USA Gymnastics Men's Technical Committee. Dave leads Team Power Monkey, which is comprised of elite athletes and coaches who help design new equipment, provide gymnastics education to the fitness world, and coach at the Power Monkeys biannual training camp. Dave was a lead coach with the CrossFit Gymnastics L1 course from 2013 to 2015. He also wrote and developed the CrossFit Gymnastics Advanced course. Uh, he did live in New York. He kind of still does. He just moved to Portland, so he is coast to coast now. Dave, thanks for joining me. Of course. Thanks for having me on. Yes. So with your gymnastics background, that's why I really wanted to get you on today and really cover all the necessary components of gymnastics. As CrossFit athletes, especially new ones, they come into the gym, they see all this really cool stuff that elite athletes are doing, um, the muscle-ups, the butterfly pull-ups, um, you know, just all the kipping movements. And they, there's not an understanding as far as what's necessary to get to that point. So I want to kind of dive into where as an athlete, rather than just getting on the bar and trying to do a pull up, like, where do we start? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a critical conversation, right? Um, you know, as gymnasts, and I think basically anyone who achieves a high level in any individual sport, you recognize that foundation built around technique is critical to achieve any high level understanding of that individual sport. And because we're seeing so much body weight movement and gymnastics training in the CrossFit world now, um, you know, we, we've found ourselves in a really um, great location to be able to assist with people to help them understand what those foundations, what those techniques should look like so that they're not only moving through the movement for that particular workout, but considering the long term, everything we teach is about the long term and quality of life and to move better and not just to move faster. And so we want people to really understand, okay, this workout might consist of pull-ups, but if we can teach you to understand how to hang and, and activate properly in this particular movement, we're going to allow you to move better, move faster in the long run, but also expose you to other movements that you would be limited by if you were only training towards that specific exercise in that workout. So it has multiple facets in terms of the reason why we approach it. Some of it is a health concern. Some of it is exposure to new movements. But for the most part, it has to do with giving people the ability to do these movements for long periods of time. We want people to, to be able to continue to stay healthy and fit for the rest of their lives, not through one particular workout, get one particular skill, and then you know move on to something else. So that, that foundational understanding is critical to be able to uh, allow for longevity to be part of someone's fitness journey. So how do you go about teaching that first? Are you starting on the ground, like really taking the, the bar and the stability control out of it and really working on those forms first? 
Yeah, so um, we have kind of a, a model that we use within PowerMonkey to help give people a better understanding of the approach that we think is appropriate from someone who's just kind of um, starting out for the first time coming into the gym. Really, anyone who doesn't have a gymnastics background, even if they were elite athlete someplace else, we would still want them to start at this first phase, and it's a four-phase process. The first phase is about creation of correct body shapes and being able to put yourself in the position and in the shape that's going to be required of it at a higher level. And we look at that creation of body shapes to be broken down into two subcomponents. One, mobility and flexibility, and the other, core strength. If you have a strong core, it will lead to strong movement. And when we talk about core strength, it's basically everything that encompasses your midline. And then on the other side of it, mobility, being able to move your body and manipulate it into the positions that is going to be required of it at a higher level will allow you to actually utilize it once you start getting into higher level skills or more dynamic skills. Those combined, um, on the mobility side specifically, uh, if you are less mobile, it will lead to compensations within your movement, and that compensations will lead to less efficient movement, but also injury down the road. So we really believe that the starting point is becoming more mobile and having a stronger core, which will allow you to create the shapes that we're going to be you know, looking at once we start tackling those higher level skills. So once, once they have those forms, once they have those shapes, they're getting on the pull-up bar to start kind of going through the movements, whether it be, uh, you know, regardless of what kipping movement we're doing. Are you looking at, once they're up there, still working at the mobility and the stability aspect in the shoulders? Are you more focused on one over the other? Well, I, I don't think that that ever stops. Uh, you never kind of move on from a phase and, and completely neglect it moving forward. It always just becomes a continuing part of your education. So the next phase is probably the kind of where your question's going. The next phase is where you build stability and strength. And that's our, the, the phase that nobody wants to do. But this is in the gymnastics world where we actually build control within these, these ranges of motion. And it has to do with slowing things down and doing things with tempo and doing more eccentrics and doing things more with uh, pause work. And this is where we really get a better understanding of what our range of motion looks like versus where we need it to go, where our forms might have some deterioration. And if we try to do these things with speed and with dynamic action, it gives us a less understanding of really what's going on within the movement. So what we're trying to do is build strength and stability through slowing things down, and then from there move on to the next phase, which is incorporating dynamic action. Now, I think one of the missing pieces for most people is understanding that a kip or a swing is a skill in and of itself. And this kind of gets glossed over a little bit. It's as important as building the strength to understand how to move your body through those dynamic actions correctly before you start to incorporate it into a pull. So the swing needs to be incorporated in conjunction with a strict action before you can understand how to properly and safely do something like a giving pull-up or adjust the bar, whatever it might be. So it really is slowing things down, making sure you have the stability to be able to withstand these movements at high volume, high intensity, and then also understanding where your limitations might be from a swing perspective, if it's a mobility issue, if it's a mechanical issue, if it's a timing issue, and then be able to combine those together. These are normally neglected or kind of skipped over quite a bit, and people just jump into the workout and kind of hope for the best or you know, watch the, the games or watch a weekend competition and see an athlete that they want to emulate and try to do the same thing. And it's a little bit of a, um, a disconnect in terms of the learning process, what you're seeing at the end result. I mean... I think it's only it's one of the few areas in terms of fitness or sports where uh, someone will watch someone at the elite level and think that they're capable of doing that right away. I mean, I don't watch an NFL game and think that I can throw a pass like Tom Brady 
you know, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. You know, you don't, you don't first is some of it's genetics. Some of it is the work ethic. Some of it is being a professional athlete and spending eight to 10 hours a day in the gym, perfecting your craft. And people don't see those hours and those things when they're watching, you know, a Matt Frazier or a Katrin Davis daughter kind of do uh, the back end work. They only see the end result and it's a little deceiving to kind of just watch the end result and think, Hey, they're doing it. I'm doing CrossFit. I'm doing functional fitness. I want to be able to do the same thing. Let me skip all of these steps that I don't see and hope for the best and hope for the same thing to happen. Yeah. And that's something I've talked with several other people on this podcast about and that, you know, I call it the unsexy side of CrossFit. We always see the workouts and the really cool stuff that these elite athletes are doing. We don't see that back end stuff, the accessory work and the mobility work and, you know, all this other stability strength aspects that they're working on. And so yeah. it just is, it's such an overlooked thing by uh, most CrossFitters. I think if you talk to any high level coach uh, in any area of not only just CrossFit or, you know, gymnastics or weightlifting or any, any of those specific areas that you see in a, in a wad, any sport in general, they're going to tell you that those accessory pieces, those things that they're spending on skill work and kind of perfecting their craft, uh, craft in and out of, uh, you know, every single day in the gym, they're going to tell you that those are the most important days in the gym. Those are more important than the actual wads and the more important than the days that just kind of going, you know, three, two, one, go as fast as they possibly can go. Those are the days when you really allow your body to prepare for what you're going to be doing at the end level. So um, I, I think if you ask that same question to anyone who's had success as an athlete or a coach in an individual sport, you know, uh, team sport as well, but separate uh, sport, they'll, they'll say the same thing. Yeah, for sure. Do you think some of the disconnect with athletes is just most coaches not knowing how to progress the gymnastics skills properly? Um, I think it's probably a combination of different things. I think, you know, teaching this on my end as well, you know, you see a variety of different uh, people come through and, you know, a lot of it has to do with people wanting to one are super competitive and they come into the gym and they want to beat their previous time and they want to beat everyone else in the gym. So they're going to do whatever they have to do to, kick it up a notch and throw, you know, a technique out the window to write the fastest time up on the, on the board. So some of it has to do with the competitive nature of the people that generally come into a gym and are doing wads. Um, I think some of it has to do with a lack of understanding of giving people proper progressions, especially on the gymnastics side. There's a lot less education on the gymnastics side, which we're trying to help out with and provide better channels to make sure people understand stepping stones to these process rather than just showing skills as all or nothing, which is something that I really um, want to stay away from when, when I'm teaching or when I'm teaching a coach to help them understand that a muscle up is not all or nothing. Either you have a muscle up or not have a muscle up or a handstand push up. There are so many things that you can kind of give someone to say, okay, where are you along this continuum of a first tentative attempt up to mastering that movement so that people have a better understanding of where they need to be tackling that movement. So the more we can give people progressions, I think progressions are so, so important. We need people to be able to say, okay, this is where your deficiency lies. This is where we need to be doing the work. And this is how you're going to be able to get to a point to be able to increase the intensity once you actually have the movement pattern down. So those are, those are some of the things that I see that are kind of missing. Okay. A newer athlete coming to you or coming even to the fitness camp, where do you start with them? 
So I think when someone sees our Power Monkey camp and they'll watch a video or they'll watch some of our, uh, you know, um, footage that we have of the week, they get a little intimidated and they'll see, you know, some of these high level games athletes coming through and think this is not for me. This like if they're there, that means that I shouldn't be there. And it's absolutely not the case. Uh, our camp is meant for beginner and intermediate level athletes. Those games and high level athletes that come through are guests and they're just there to kind of train and learn. But the camp itself is geared towards building a foundational understanding for people that did, were not exposed to these sports growing up. So we have 10 different stations where we have really high level and competent coaches kind of leading and then an assistant coach at each of the stations. And we teach a two hour session uh, around three gymnastic stations, three weightlifting stations, a jump rope station, a kettlebell station, a rowing station, and an endurance station. And we teach people basically how to move better um, as it pertains to those specific areas. And no matter what your starting point is, no matter what your background is, it's going to be information that's pertinent because we take everyone back to the beginning. We take everyone back to kind of absolute foundation uh, of handstands, of, you know, a clean, of a squat, of how to hold the, the jump rope properly in your hands and how to set up and work on singles before you think about doubles, before you think about triple unders all these things. And so I think if people understand and kind of get a firsthand take from uh, people who have come through, uh, who are very much in the same boat from an athletic uh, background, they would say, you know what, no matter what you think uh, you're getting yourself into, it's going to be appropriate for your skill level. And that's really what we try to try to get after. Is there much interplay in between? I mean, obviously everything needs that core control with everything that we do, but um, between the gymnastic skills to the weightlifting movements, just thinking like body movement, how much interplay is there between like forms versus technique and lifting? Um, so it's actually one of the things that we've worked a lot on over the years, you know, with, with our gymnastic staff, and our weightlifting staff, uh, headed up by uh, Chad Vaughn and Mike Service. Now we brought uh, Cheryl Hayworth in and Jody Vaughn and Jessica Lucero and uh, Vanessa McCoy. We have a really um, great weightlifting staff to go along with my gymnastics team. We've done for some pretty extensive time together to see where there's overlap between the sports. How can gymnastics help with weightlifting? How can weightlifting help with gymnastics? Not only from a technical perspective, but also from a training perspective in the sense that are there things that we can be incorporated into gymnastics, athlete, elite gymnasts, and, and up-and-coming gymnast training plans that can be incorporated with barbell movements that will make them become better gymnasts? And can we incorporate more gymnastics movements into weightlifting training to help them in their specific sports? Now, there's some differences in terms of body form, things like that, in terms of um, things like that. But... There, I think there's more overlap than people might think. And, you know, obviously the easy one to point out is kind of an overhead position being very similar to what we want to be seeing, kind of a handstand, a locked out elbow position, some external rotation that's happening when you're, uh, when you're overhead and uh, some other kind of subtlety actions that we're looking for. But there's a lot of actions that are very, very similar. And uh, I think not only in weightlifting and gymnastics, but you'll, you'll start seeing that even more in terms of setups for things like how you row end up being very similar to how you set up for a clean and things like that. Um, there's a lot of overlap between these other sports that we've been able to kind of synthesize a little bit because we get these high level people in this room together for such a long period of time. And it's one of the really unique things that we're able to get out of camp is um, these, these kind of interactions between the sports that are generally separated. 
cool. Yeah, the, uh, the reason I wanted to bring that up is uh, I noticed as my triple extension was getting better with my lifts that my hips were getting, the hip to bar was getting better with my muscle ups and I was turning mm -hmm. that over better. So I just noticed kind of as one was clicking, the other one naturally fell into sure, improvement sure. as well. So absolutely yeah you'll definitely start seeing those things i think kind of matching patterns a little bit like to me it's all about movement pattern and understanding what those patterns are supposed to look like you know we talk a lot about bar path with uh an only bar but bar path with um you know on a pull-up bar is also very important when you think about not only bar muscle but a different variation being a gymnastics kip and things like that and i think if you can start to understand how how those things kind of match up you're gonna have a much better sense of what the shape and what the pattern is supposed to be like when you go through something dynamic i mean let's face it when you're doing a gymnastics movement for the first time it's more about like survival than it is the nuance of the movement right so it it takes a lot to break down what's considered a fairly basic move in the gymnastics world, it's still very complex. So it, it takes a while to be able to understand kind of the little nuance and the little subtleties that go into making something efficient. And if you can take some of the things that you learn in a different world from only from rowing, whatever it might be, and help kind of bridge those gaps and kind of connect those dots, I think it really is, it, it becomes very, very helpful. Cool. Before we get into kind of the assistive equipment that you've developed i want to get into for just someone normal boxes they don't have a ton of you know the equipment that you guys have developed what's your what route do you like to go as far as assisting pull-ups and uh, movements uh well i mean every every pull every uh, movement can be uh, adapted um differently and you know you can kind of like spend a whole podcast just on talking about how to break down specific movements for workouts. Um, the one thing that I would say that I think is really important when, when scaling or adapting a movement is to understand in my mind, what the purpose is for it. In my mind, the purpose for scaling a movement uh, ha has two functions. One is about making sure the person is moving through fuller ranges of motion. Um, two, it's about making sure the person is understanding proper movement mechanics and the movement pattern for the eventual movement, what they're working towards, not just solely to go faster through the workout. All right. So whenever I'm looking to um, adapt the movement and scale the movement so that the person can um, create the same level of intensity and get the same from the workout, I'm more concerned with the movement pattern and the range of motion than I am about how fast the person is able to write a score up on the board. So that's what I'm looking for when I'm trying to make sure that a skill is appropriate for that person's skill level. Create this correct stimulus, but does this person uh, understand the movement mechanics and the movement pattern that we're looking for for the eventual movement? And then are we able to get through full range of motion so that they can actually start to understand what it's going to look like once they move from progression A to progression C all the way up to you know, it being RX. Mm -hmm. cool. So th those things change from movement to movement, um, you know, and, and the things that you generally find across a gym are going to allow you to, to do most of these things. It's just having uh, a good eye around um, what muscle groups are being involved and can this person do this with the same intensity, but with the, those two pieces that I just mentioned in terms of how we'd like to scale and adapt. Yeah, definitely. So let's talk about the equipment that you've developed. I know you've developed several different things, um, especially for like muscle up training. 
Mm-hmm. Um, let's get into that a little bit because it's pretty fascinating what it what you've done. Oh, thank you. So um, essentially, it's our ring. I think you're mentioning our ring thing. It's a yeah. ring training device that. Uh, if you go to any gymnastics gym around the world, um, especially a, a boys gym, you'll find some version of our ring thing, but normally we just go to like a hardware store, pick up a bunch of stuff and put it together and it serves its purpose, but it doesn't really function as well as it could. So me and my par- partner with Power Monkey, his name's Shane Garrity. He was a collegiate gymnast as well and uh, is a stuntman now uh, based out of New York. And me and him uh, had the idea of trying to put um, one together that we could market that was made very well that we could sell as um, an assist for things like muscle ups, but also expose people to the sport that we love, you know, expose, expose people to things beyond just the muscle up. And the ring thing uh, basically works as a 50, 50 device with a pulley system and a rope system that has a harness around your waist. And as you pull down on the rings, it lifts your body up at 50% of your weight. So you can be working on movements that are kind of out of your realm of possibility as an athlete, but you can be doing it with a self-assist that is an equal, equal spot from top to bottom. So it's giving you a proportional spot throughout the entire movement. It's allowing you to work through full ranges of motion. It's allowing you to understand what the movement pattern is supposed to look like, like we talked about with what's optimal with the scale. And it's going to expose those athletes that maybe can do five, 10 strict muscle ups to other movements. So you can work on handstands, you can work on handstand pushups, you can work on front and back rolls, you can work on planches and levers and iron crosses and all of these movements that might seem out of the realm of possibility for most people, even high level crossfitters. But it gives them the opportunity to understand what the movement is supposed to be looking at at a base level. And then from there, they can understand where the strain is, what muscles are involved, what the positional techniques are supposed to look like. And then we can start adding more weight to the body to start increasing the difficulty. And then you can slowly slowly start getting to the point where you actually have full body weight on the apparatus. So for us, it's been a phenomenal uh, training device to expose people not only to things like muscle ups, but also to bring them a better understanding of higher level gymnastics, which is really our end goal with everything that we do with Power Monkey, uh, not just on the gymnastics side, but to expose people to our sports that are underappreciated sports, you know, whether it be weightlifting or endurance training or rowing or whatever it might be. We want people to see how amazing these sports can be and how to do them properly. So the ring thing is just one of those things in our world to help people uh, become more exposed to proper technique and higher level gymnastics. Yeah, that's really cool. I, um, the gymnastics movements just, they're, they fascinate me just because of how much strength and control that it really does take. Um, you know, you watch any, you know, from a gymnast at the age of like three, already learning these skills, it makes it look so easy. And then to actually get in there and actually do it under full body weight, it's, you realize how much control and strength it actually takes. So, yeah. Absolutely. I think that's kind of been the missing link. You know, we forever in the gymnastics community tried to figure out the reason why our sport wasn't more popular. You know, it's gymnastics is the most popular sport when the Olympics roll around every four years, but it completely falls off the map for the rest of the, the quad. So why is that? Why is it such a fascinating sport, you know, two weeks every four years, and then no one cares about it otherwise. And I, I mean, this is my own, my, my own take on it after having, you know, watched from, the elite gymnastics side and then being more on the fitness side now. And I think it has to do with um, a form of comparison uh, where someone, you know, can go and kick a soccer ball or throw a football in their backyard and they have a form of comparison to the highest level 
um, athlete in that particular sport to say, I know what I'm capable of doing uh, with a football. I know I can only imagine how amazing and how uh, talented and how gifted someone like, you know, someone in the NFL is to be able to do something that I can do in my backyard. We don't really have that in gymnastics uh, for there's no form of comparison for most people. So if they watch a backflip and they watch a triple backflip, which are as far in opposing direction in terms of difficulty as there possibly is, people will look at both of those and say, those are both incredibly difficult, but I have no understanding and no form of comparison how much more difficult the, the, the triple is versus the single flip. So it's always been just like a wow moment. Gymnastics is just wow, but there's no real nuance to it in terms of the general viewer's ability to break down the real difficulty of things. But now with people hanging rings in their gyms and wanting to learn handstands, they're starting to get a better understanding of that form of comparison. So now they're saying, well, I'm trying to do a kipping muscle up or I'm trying to do a strict muscle up and it's my Holy grail in my fitness journey. It's the thing that I'm striving to get. And I know how long and how difficult it's been for me. And I consider myself to be strong. And in the gymnastics world, it has no value. A strict muscle-up has no value in our code of points. A kipping muscle-up has to be done with straight arms to have any value. And it's giving people a better understanding to say, wow, like this is the thing that I'm, I've been training a couple of years for and I still struggle with it now. And it's what these six-year-olds learn, you know, very, very easily. So this form of comparison that we've suddenly been able to kind of bring to the general Finnish population has been incredible. It's been one of the most amazing things because now people are starting to be more interested in our sport at a higher level, not just in awe, but actually starting to want to know a little bit more in terms of what goes into an actual routine or what goes into a B, C, D level movement, which we've never had before. So that's really exciting for me as uh, someone that's trying to build the sport. Yeah, I can imagine. So if an athlete's listening to this and has been you know, in the crossword world for a couple of years, but still struggling with the gymnastics movements, even just the basic ones, because they never learned the initial movements required to perform it. What's your suggestion as far as where do they start to kind of relearn, retrain? So it's difficult, right? The more time you've put into a bad pattern, the more it's going to take to break that habit. So it can be very, very frustrating. And I mean, I'm taking this from my own experience too, as an athlete, when I was, just to give you an example, I learned how to twist incorrectly when I was a kid and it ended up affecting all of my gymnastics movements that required twisting as I got older and every event that you had to twist and you had to basically spin in the air. I learned it incorrectly and it affected my ability to twist at a higher level once I start to compete at an elite and collegiate level. And by the time I was 15, 20 years into the sport, I wasn't making the changes. I was like, this is how I do it. And that's it. Like, I'm not going back to, to zero, you know what I mean, to, to relearn this. And it's incredibly difficult to break those habits once you have many years under your belt moving a particular way. The, the good thing, the positive for most of these athletes that are being exposed to these things now is that they don't have a lot of time under their belt in terms of creating bad habits yet. So it means that they're, more, they're closer to that, that kind of initial uh, ball of clay that can be molded. And we want people to understand that if they're going to strive to become better movers on the gymnastics or, or weightlifting, whatever it might be, whatever side it is, to take whatever necessary steps backward you might have to, because in the long run, those steps back are going to pay dividends in the future. And the longer you wait to do it, not only the harder it is to break the habit, 
but the more susceptible you are to bad movement pattern inefficiency and potential injury than you would be if you are willing to take those steps back. So it's one of the first things whenever we're teaching a course or going through any uh, of our clinics and, and camps, one of the first things that we mention: uh, be willing to take a few steps back to allow it to propel you forward correctly. Yeah, I've, I, uh, it's what I have fun with my athletes doing because, you know, they're the ones that are struggling with pull-ups and toes to bar, especially it's like, I'll bring them back down just to try to have them do a basic kip on the bar, hollow body Superman, and they can't even control it. So it's, and it's a great realization for them when they realize like, I don't even know how to do this movement, you know, and then, you know, no wonder I can't get up there. And once you really start just working on that control, they progress so much faster. Right. And, you know, that's one of the main questions that I actually get when teaching seminars too, is how do you get clients and athletes to buy into that mentality of taking a step back. And it's, it's really one of the hardest things to have to deal with because people come in to a gym where they have an hour a day to spend, to become more fit, to sweat, to, to feel like they're really pushing themselves to a higher limit. And you're telling them you want them to take all these steps back because they're not ready to do that yet. It's really difficult. It's a big challenge to be able to uh, make sure that you're tempering that person's you know, um, need for, uh, going past the point that, sh that they're actually capable of handling. Um, what I found to be the most helpful when kind of confronted with athletes that want to be doing things that they physically are not capable or shouldn't be doing yet is to try and have a few people buy into this methodology and be, be able to say, you know what, I'm you can kind of give them the progression, give them the skill work, give them the accessory work. And I guarantee you those people that buy into it are going to start making some incredible strides that the rest of the people are going to start noticing it and say, you know what, why are those people that were starting out with me suddenly doing things that I'm not capable of doing, or they're staying healthier, or they're moving with much better technique and much better form. It takes just a few people to be able to buy in and see some of that success. And it'll start to kind of manifest itself into uh, just a complete culture change. So I found it to be kind of seek out the people that trust the process the most, make sure that they're kind of your model and use them as a way to kind of bridge that to the other people that you're working with that might not buy, out, buy into it right off the bat. Yeah, that's a perfect explanation right there. So looking at like just overall controls and stability aspects, what's kind of, not that there is a go-to like accessory work type thing that someone should do, but if someone only has an extra like 15, 20 minutes, are there any kind of key drills or key progressions that you suggest to work on when like just trying to retrain forms? Well, I, I mean, some of it has to do with what the goal is. Um, you know, what is your goal in terms of the movement? If you're looking to, to improve your pull or your push or compression or whatever it might be, you know, the, the specific skills and the, the time devoted to it will slightly change. Um, I think if it's a just a general question in terms of being able to move better, it'll come back to uh, what I mentioned earlier in terms of the creation of body shapes, our phase one and our four phase process of, you know, you're going to be best served by spending that 15 minutes on more mobility and more core specific exercises so that you have a better handle of the shapes that you're going to be required once you start, you know, putting it into specific movements. So that's normally what I do with my clients. I always save the last 10, 15 minutes to spend on core and flex. And um, I try to get them to understand that it's something they should be doing every day. Um, 10, 15 minutes goes a long way in being able to 
And, you know, it doesn't have to be the same muscle groups. It doesn't have to be the same patterns every day, but being able to just kind of get into a habit of understanding the importance of it and just kind of building it into your daily routine as an athlete uh, goes a long way in being able to allow you to move better once you start kind of uh, working on any of those other high level skills. Yeah, definitely. I think the core, both mobility, mobility and core are such key components. Um, actually had a athlete tell me this past week, she's like, I realized this past week, now that I'm getting better core control, how much the core is used in everything we do. There you go. There you go. Like, yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. We'll know that right off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> it's like pretty much. Awesome. Well, Dave, if someone wants to come to Powerful Mikey Fitness Camp or just look more into um, the ring thing or what you do, where can they find you? Where can they contact sure. you? Uh, so we have a few different avenues. I would recommend them checking out our website of powermonkeyfitness.com. Uh, we also have powermonkeycamp.com, which is a standalone site just for our camp. Uh, our next camp is going to be the um, first week of October. It's actually September 30th, October 6th. It's our 10th camp, so it's going to be a little bit of a special one for us. Um, full week long, uh, come on a Sunday, leave on a Saturday. Basically, you're living in cabins and sleeping in cabins with other athletes and training at this amazing facility that we have down in Tennessee. Um, there's a lot of information and videos on the website. Um, the other thing I would recommend people checking out is our app, which is our Monkey Method app, uh, which you can download both Android and uh, through uh, the Apple Store. Uh, it's an incredible resource for a few reasons. It's a free app, but um, there are pay-for specific skill plans on there how to learn your first pull-up, how to learn a muscle-up, how to learn a press-to-handstand from really basic level skills all the way pretty advanced. And we also have our video database on there. The video database is free. It has over a 1,000 videos that we're constantly adding to it. And it basically all the progressions that I was mentioning, the importance of, we've kind of mapped out for you. So we have videos for every progression for a variety of different movements on the weightlifting and gymnastics side. Uh, they all come with cues and breakdowns of what they're supposed to be looking like from a performance standpoint. And it's a really good resource to be able to utilize even if you don't buy a plan. But Monkey Method app, great resource, as well as our website, Power Monkey Fitness and Power Monkey Camp. Awesome. Thank you so much for all that great information. And uh, any final thoughts before we close up today? Nope, that's it. I uh, really appreciate the time. Um, if anyone's interested in kind of getting a hold of uh, me or Power Monkey, they can just uh, reach out to Dave at PowerMonkeyFitness.com or info at PowerMonkeyFitness.com. Or find us on Instagram with Dave Durante or um, Power Monkey Fitness, and we'll be able to get back to you with any questions you might have about what we do. Awesome. Thank you again so much for your time today, Dave. Of course. Take care. You too. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. Show notes can be found at highlyfunctional.org. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would appreciate if you would go on to iTunes and give me a five-star rating and review, as well as share this on social media with all your friends and followers. Until next time, go out and be highly functional.